Okay, we're back for part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 20th, 2008. And we're going to pick up um, with Olstein getting another chance to redeem himself on, this, on the phone lines with Larry King. And he goes on to say, after Larry King opened the phone lines, a concerned Christian asked Joel to clarify his previous statement, which we just viewed. Again, Olstein could easily clear these things up, but this goes on to say, the caller says, hello Larry, you're the best. And, okay, you're the best. And thank you, Joel, for your positive messages in your book. I'm wondering, though, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Now, the very fact that this guy is saying, Larry, you're the best, and thanking Joel for the positive, positive messages in his book, you know, that's gigantic red flag there for me. But, he does say, I'm wondering why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Okay, fair enough. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and only to the Father is, and the only way to the Father is through him. Okay, John 14, 6. That's really not, that's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Good point. I have to agree with him on that. Olstein says, yes, I would agree with her. I believe that. And then Larry cuts, King cuts him off. He says, so then a Jew's not going to heaven. Because he keeps trying to pin him down about this. Okay? So, he's saying that he agrees with her. But as soon as King steps in and says, so a Jew is, so then a Jew is not going to heaven. Then Olstein says, no. Here's my thing. Larry is, I can't judge someone's heart. So again, again, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He, cannot, he will not let himself be pinned down. He wants to bring it back to this subjective, judging the heart issue. I can't judge someone's heart. You know what, Joel? You don't have to judge someone's heart. All you've got to do is put out the truth. All you've got to do is put out the Word of God, and the Bible is self-evident. It speaks for itself. You don't have to apologize for the word of God. If somebody comes to me and they get mad at me about this or about that, so much of the time, it's not a matter of them being mad at me. They're mad, they're mad at the word of God, or they're mad at God. Their argument is not so much with me, it's with God. Because if a scripture is clearly and plainly stated, and you have other scriptures particularly to back it up, if they don't want to believe something, hey, you know, they can get mad at me all they want. Their argument's really with God. He's the author of the word. So, you know, you, Joel, you're, you're, not, you're not the one that has to judge your heart. So don't worry about that. But, you know, he, uh, he says, I can't judge someone's heart, you know. Only God can look at someone's heart, and so I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's not my business to say, you know, how could this guy draw in 30... Or whatever. Does he get up? How could he draw these kind of... I mean, he's... He's... Uh, he's inept. He really is inept, this guy. He reminds me of like Gilligan. A Gilligan's Island. That sitcom that used to run. Kind of looks a little like him. But then he goes on to say, To me, it's not my business to say, You know, this one... Or this one isn't. In other words, this one's going to heaven or this one's going to hell. You know. I just say, here's what the Bible teaches, and I'm going to put my faith in Christ. You don't, you don't say what the Bible teaches. We've already proven that. And I just think it's wrong when you go around saying, you're saying you're not going, you're not going, you're not going. 
Evidently, you're not going to heaven. Because it's not exactly my way. And then Larry King says, but you believe your way. He's trying to pin him down, which I'm glad to see. And Olstein says, I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But see, what Joel's trying to, the, the subtle message he's really trying to convey here is that, yes, my way is what I believe, but I'm not going to disparage a Jew or a Muslim or anyone else for the way they believe, because we're all going to the same place, guys. Well, isn't that the broad is the way which leadeth the destruction, and many there be that go thereat? Well, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And then he says, um, then Larry King says, but for someone who doesn't share, it is wrong. But for someone who doesn't share it, share it is wrong, isn't he? I don't. That's kind of a disjointed statement. Olstein's response: Well, yes. Well, I don't know if I look at it like that. I would present my way, but I'm going to let God be the judge of that. I don't know. I don't know. He said, I don't know, three times in that one statement. How many times can he say, I don't know? Why? Why doesn't he not know? He's the pastor of the largest congregation in America. Okay? And he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Oh, he's really qualified to pastor the flock. I'll tell you what. Yeah, he really is. And then King says... So you make no judgment on anyone. He's probably starting to get frustrated, you know. He's never had anybody this backboneless on his uh, that he's probably ever interviewed. Olsten says, no, but I... And then here, Larry really tosses Joel a softball about a God-defying atheist. Now this is an interjection here. And again, Olsten will not confess Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. So, Larry King... So you make no judgment on anyone. His response, no, but I, and then King cuts him off and he says, what about atheists? What about them? Going? So he's trying to pick the most extreme example of, of God-defiance that he can find to pin him in a corner, which he should be. Olstein's response, you know what? I'm going to let someone, I'm going to let God be the judge of, of who goes to heaven and hell. No, the word of God is actually the judge. That's what Jesus Christ said, that it's the word that's actually going to judge us. Okay? In the end, I know Jesus Christ is the judgment seat of Christ and these types of things, but the word of God is going to be the basis for that judgment. Then he says, I just again, I present the truth. Actually, what he should be saying is, again, I just present the lie. Is really what he should be saying. He doesn't present the truth. Everything that he, that he gives you is leavened. Leaven and a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. <clears throat> and I and again we've totally proven that he is not biblically qualified to be a pastor of any church. Nothing. He's not biblically qualified to do nothing. According to the Bible, if you read what the qualifications are for a deacon, el, deacon, elder, overseer, bishop, pastor, whatever you want to call him, he's not qualified. He's definitely not skilled in the Word of God. That's for sure. <clears throat> and then he says, again, I present the truth, and I say it every week. You know, I believe it's relationship with Jesus. But you know what? I'm not going to go around telling everybody else they don't want to believe, if they don't want to believe that that's going to be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart. 
God's got to look at your heart. And only God knows that. See, that's the biggest way that you can see that he defers things. He tries to say, oh, it's not me. It's God. He's looking at your own heart. Just get the spotlight off me. Let's get it on this. Now, the Bible's clear. There's one and only one way out of an eternal hell, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not simply a relationship with Jesus Christ. As Joel just said, Judas Iscariot had a literal, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Walking and talking with the Lord, and even kissing the Lord. In Luke 22, verse 47, But Judas went to hell, according to Acts 1.25. There you go. It's not enough to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I believe he was a good man. It's not enough. It's not enough. And see, the thing is, is if you really do, that will be evident. The Holy Spirit's really living inside you. There'll be fruit of that. Joel's showing us he has no fruit. He's devoid of fruit. One thing is clear from Joel Osteen's interview. He revealed more about what he doesn't know than about what he claims to know. Osteen joins a growing company of celebrity evangelicals who have appeared on Larry King Live and have failed to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you. 1 Peter 3.15 As evidenced by this transcript, Osteen seems a great deal less certain about the gospel than following the New Testament saints. Paul declared, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded. 2 Timothy 1.12 He also prayed, that ye may know what is the hope of Christ's calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. Ephesians 1.18 uh, And then another verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Philippians 3.10 Then Colossians 4.6 Let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that ye may know how to ought, you ought to answer every man. See, these are all the verses that indict Joel Osteen. John declared, These things have I written you, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know Him that is true. And we are, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. 1 John 5, 13, 19, and 20. Certainly God has conveyed the impression that he wants us to be certain. Yet for Joel Osteen, and over and over again, it's, I don't know. So that's the first interview. But actually, no, 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 hold on. we got a little bit more to go here. Because I think this is important. This other thing that this man brings up. Because of Osteen's vague and confusing answers, Larry King point blank asks Osteen if he believes the Bible. So he, he asks him, I mean, he's being so vague and evasive. Larry King's trying to pin him down. I think it's great. So he asks him if he believes the Bible. What a strange question to ask a pastor of America's largest church. But he's got to. I mean, you know, he's evidently, he don't know. He don't know nothing. King, so you believe the Bible literally. And then Osteen, I do, I do. Give me a break on that. There's a problem here, a very serious problem. Here's a man that claims to believe the Bible literally. And the Bible over and over and over warns of a place called hell. A place of eternal fire and torments where the majority of people will suffer in the torments for all eternity. I'm sure that Joel is preaching on hell just now, probably as we're, we're talking. Um, 
Matthew 13, 49 and 49-50. So shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 14, 10 and 11. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Revelation 20.15 And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How can Mr. Osteen or anyone claim to believe the Bible and deliberately refuse to warn people about hell? Good point. Really good point. If anyone... Is anyone that mean or hateful or so depraved that they are willing to refuse to warn others? I'm reminded of a gut-wrenching illustration in, quote, Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. Now, notice what he said. Is anyone that mean or hateful or so depraved that they would willingly refuse to warn others about hell? Now, think about this. Think about the responsibility from a biblical standpoint that good old Joel has shouldered upon himself. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Now, I'm not saying God gave him that. Okay? God permitted it to happen. But this man's obviously not qualified to be a pastor. But he is nonetheless responsible for his actions. There's going to be so much blood on his hands because there were so many people that followed him to hell I can't even imagine the punishment. We can't conceive of it. If we probably had the opportunity to look in hell for one minute, we'd we'd probably all go nuts. It's that horrible. And the lake of fire is going to be even worse than that. That's called the fear of God. That's what Joel and preachers like him never preach on. And yet there's more blessings connected with with the fear of the Lord than any other thing in the Bible. If you look at blessings connected with a certain thing. Just look in Proverbs and Psalms and see all the blessings. Do a keyword search. Fear the Lord. Or those that fear Him. Now this illustration is from Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is an older uh, preacher that wrote a book. I've actually got this book. I've never had a chance to get to it yet. It's, it's a book I've wanted to read for a long time. Uh, Charlie Pierce was a criminal. The laws of God or man curbed him not. Finally the law caught up with him. And he was condemned to death. On the fatal morning in Armley Jail, Leeds, England, he was taken to the death walk. Before him went the prison chaplain, routinely and sleepily reading some Bible verses. The criminal touched the preacher and asked what he was reading. Quote, the consolations of of religion was the replay. I'm not sure what that is, but it must have been something on hell. Charlie Pierce was shocked at the way he professionally read about hell. Could a man be so unmoved under the very shadow of the scaffold as to lead a fellow human there and yet dry-eyed read of a pit that has no bottom into which this fellow must fall? Could this preacher believe the words that there is an eternal fire that never consumes its victims and yet slide over the phrase with with a tremor? Is there a man human at all who can say with no tears quote you will be eternally dying and yet never know the relief of that that dying brings 
All this was too much for Charlie Pierce. So he preached. So, in other words, the prisoner preached then. Listen to the eve, listen to his on the eve of hell sermon. This, this prisoner says back to this chaplain, he says, Sir, addressing the preacher, quote, If I believed what you and the Church of God says that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. That's from Leonard Ravenhill, Why Revival Terries, page 19. So is it possible that a man could be so cruel and so criminal to actually believe in hell and steadfastly refuse to warn fellow human beings? Recently, a local TV station interviewed a man that rescued a sleeping family from a burning house. He was, he was riding by the house, saw the raging fire, and at the danger of his own life, ran inside the flaming house, screaming and yelling for the family members to wake up and get out. The newscaster asked him, how does it feel to be a hero? His reply was simply, I'm no hero. I just did what any decent human being would have done. End of quote. <clears throat> hear me and hear me well. A man that professes to believe the Bible and refuses to warn people about hell either does not really believe the Bible, or they are worse than a criminal and a villain on this earth. And I don't care how much of a big church they have, or how nice and sweet and loving and compassionate and pious they may sound, which is a great example of Osteen. They are wicked devils in disguise. This is from a, looks like a poem in 1889 called Seeking the Lost by A.J. Buchanan. Will you go and speak to the sinners blind? Will you walk in the midnight gloom? Will you bear some light to their darkened mind? Will you tell them of their coming doom? Will you seek them now? Will you seek them now? Will you show them the way? Will you show them the way? Some, someone may be lost that you might lead home to that bright land of the perfect day. In an interview, Larry King tossed Osteen another softball, asking Osteen about the wicked and vile sins of abortion and homosexuality. And this is unbelievable. So, he says, okay, what about, what about you know, uh, abortion and homosexuality? Now, even the lost people take a stand on these blatant sins. There's a lot of lost people that, you know, so King says, how about the issues that the church, how about issues that the church has feelings about? He's trying to pin them down on some level. This weak-willed, spineless, pathetic excuse for a human being, he can't be pinned down on any level. He's like a worm that just tries to keep, or a snake that tries to keep slithering out of any particular thing where they're trying to pin him in a corner. So, he says, how about the issues the church has, has feelings about? Like abortion, same-sex marriages? Osteen's response, <clears throat> Yeah, you know what, Larry? I don't go there. I just... And then he says, I just... And then King says, You have thoughts, though. Osteen's response, I have thoughts. I just, you know, I don't think that same-sex marriage is the way God intended it to be. Wow, that's about the closest to anything biblically correct he's said today. Then he says, I don't think abortion is the best. Wow, well, it's okay, but it's not the best. Maybe it's better, but it's not best. Spoken like a true hypocrite. And then he says, I think there are other, you know, a better way to live your life. 
Wow, right down the line again, Joel. Hit another home run there. And then he says, but I'm not going to condemn those people. Now, I'm not saying we should go around and, 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 and you know, act as though we're better and sanctimonious and these types of things. And if somebody's had an abortion, God can forgive them of that. Okay. Um, gay lifestyle is another deal because in order to be forgiven, you need to get out. You need to repent. Okay, how can God forgive you something you're continually sinning about? Okay. He says, but I'm not going to condemn those people. I tell them all the time, our church is open for everybody. Come one, come all. Again, I mean, he just, he's, trying to, he's trying to be loved among all men. That's what he's trying. And he's going to make a lot of money that way too. But remember what he just said. He says, Larry, I don't go there. He doesn't go there in his preaching ever. Abortion, same-sex marriage. He will not go there. How pathetic. It's because of devils like him that the church is in the state that it's in. In part, I know God's letting it happen, but... And then again, Larry appears to be surprised at Osteen's waffling. Larry allows Osteen to clarify his confusing position. And again, Osteen blatantly contradicts the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then King says, you don't call them sinners? In other words, people that have had abortions or homosexuals. Then he says, I don't. That's Osteen's response. Well, at least he's being halfway honest here. You know, he says, no, I don't. He, says, he doesn't say, I don't know this time. King, is that a word you don't use? In other words, sinners? He doesn't use the word sinners. Here's Osteen's response. I don't use it. <laughs> is this unbelievable? Is this the most pathetic thing you've just about ever heard? I don't use it. He doesn't use the word sinners. I never thought about it, but I probably don't. He doesn't even think about it. See, deep down, I believe he knows he's going to hell. And I believe he knows exactly what he's doing. So he wants to put it as far out of his mind as he possibly can. I really think that's why. He doesn't preach about anything that he would want to hear either. So he tells them exactly what he would like to hear. Because he doesn't want any conviction of his own sins. Yeah, it, it appears from this interview that Larry King, you know, who's uh, you know, ungodly, it, it appears he knows more about the Bible than Osteen does. Well, that's the way it seems. So Osteen says, yes, he never used the word sinner. He said, I never thought about it, but I probably don't. And then he says, but most people already know what they're doing wrong. No, they don't. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Some people do. Some people have conviction of it. But you know what? What's even worse is when they do know, and they go to Joel's church, and he says, well, that's not really a, that bad. You're a good person. See, he will take some, he'll take conviction away from them. He'll rob them of conviction that maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to give them. But he'll take it away to make them feel good about themselves. And eventually they'll say, well, he, he's a man of God. He has a 60,000 seat church. He knows better than me. They follow him right to hell. And then he says, when I get them to church, I don't want to tell them, I, I want to tell them that you can change. There can be a difference in your life. So I don't go down the road of condemning. You don't have to go down the road of, I mean, I, I, like if somebody had an abortion or whatever, I'm not going to go down the road of uh, condemning, but they need to understand that it's a sin. You know, how do, you, how do we know that we're sinners unless we know what sin is? And if that's condemning, that's not condemning. 
you do it because you love them enough to tell them the truth so that they can get saved, so that they don't burn in hell. See, he's got it all opposite. Whereas the word sin occurs in the King James Bible over 830 times. But you know what? Joel don't go there. He doesn't use that word. Well, he's of his father the devil. He's a hireling. He has no true love for the sheep. It's very evident of that. He's a murderer, too, if you think about it. How many souls are going to be murdered in hell as a result of following these apostates? I'm not saying he's committing bodily murder in this life, but I'm saying it's worse what he's doing. Worse. Because the soul is the soul, and it lives on forever. Now, this is another interview. This just happened, this interview. In fact, this is what kind of spurred me to, to do this whole teaching. And this one is from um, News Brief, Joel Olstein interviewed by Chris Wallace of Fox News. This just happened, December 23rd, 2007. So we'll see. Now, that was an interview that took place in 2005. So let's see if Joel's got his theology right. He's had a couple years. Now, he issued a letter apologizing after the Larry King there. He was Because a lot of his, quote, followers were coming after him saying, Hey, what's going on? You're... you're you know, you're waffling on this, and, you, and why didn't you take a stand in this and that? And he apologized and said, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't convey all this other... He's not sorry. He hasn't changed a stinking thing. And we're going to see by this interview, he hasn't changed anything. See, words mean nothing. Actions speak louder than words. Okay? And his actions, by their fruit, you shall know them. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, let's see what. Let's see if Joel's got his theology straight now. Let's see if he grew a backbone between 2005 and now this interview in 2007. So, Chris Wallace starts out the interview. Now, this is a direct transcript, just like the last one is. I'm not making this stuff up. You can check this out for yourself. I'll try to put this up on the PDF file. Chris Wallace says, and what about Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney, the Mormon. Okay? And I've got to ask you the question. Because it is a question whether it should be or not should be in this campaign. Is the Mormon a true Christian? What a great person to ask than Joel. I mean, you, we've already seen. He just knows his Bible inside and out. But he's had a couple years to read the Bible. He's had a couple more years. Now, he grew up in the Christian family, supposedly. He's been at this for all these years. It's just unbelievable that somebody could have been, called himself a Christian, be this biblically illiterate. He grew up in this. I don't understand it. Osteen's response about, is a Mormon a true Christian? Here's Osteen's response. This is two years later. Well, in my mind they are. (laughs) Here we go again. In my mind they are. Mormons are true Christians. Did you know that, Doug? I, I didn't know. Mitt Romney has said that he believes in Christ as his Savior. And that's what I believe. So, you know, I'm not one to judge the little details of it. Yeah. Even though the Bible says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, in 1 Corinthians 2.15. And then he says, So I believe they are, you know, and you know, um, Mitt Romney seems like a man of character and integrity to me. 
Hmm. The Bible says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. John, Jesus Christ said that. So he seems like a man of appearance, uh, of um, character and integrity to him. All I need to know is that he's Mormon. To know that he's not a Christian, number one. Okay? But to Joel, he seems like a man of character and integrity. Again, we're dealing with your heart here. You know, Joe, go with whatever your heart feels like. Oh, he seems like there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but then there are the ways of death. Okay? It's obvious the man is not a Christian, but he doesn't have the spiritual backbone to point any of this out. He will not go there ever, as, you, as we've already seen. And then he goes on to say, and I don't think he would, he would, anything would stop me from voting for him if that's what I felt like. So he would actually vote for this guy. Wow. Now, in the next teaching, after we get done with Smiley Joe, um, and I don't think it will probably be this week, but next week, we're going to look at what Mormons actually believe. Because I think it's important to clarify that point. Okay, We're going to look at their unbelievable, blasphemous theology that they're taught. And the fact that they think they're the only true Christians that there are. They actually think that. That's what they're taught. They're the only true Christians. And we're all wrong. Okay? And we're going to see the... We're talking some whacked out stuff here with what the Mormons believe. It is nutty. With a capital N. So anyway, not satisfied with Osteen's initial response, Wallace continues, taking a much stronger stand. And again, this guy's trying to pin him in a corner just like Larry King. I think it's great. He takes a stronger stand, one in which is founded on more knowledge about Mormonism than Pastor Osteen evidently possesses. And again, we've got Larry King and this Chris Wallace guy schooling him on theological issues, which is pretty pathetic. I mean, that would be embarrassing. I've done a, I've done a lot of radio interviews and stuff like that, and, and you know what? You don't go into those things unprepared. You go in there and you study... Even if I know a subject, I'll study it beforehand to brush up on it. You know? Uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we're supposed to do. He doesn't have any concept of that. So, Wallace says, So, for instance, when people start talking about Joseph Smith, the founder of the church, and the golden tablets in upstate New York, now he's actually shown some knowledge here, and God assumes... The shape of a man, do you not get hung up on those theological issues? In other words, this is the foundation of the Mormon religion. Which really, in all reality, is a very, even though this man is not a Christian, is a very biblical way to bring this up. Because the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations was corrupt from the beginning, how can it turn into something good? If a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, and all it ever was was leaven to begin with, how did it turn into something of God? This is why, I, when I look back at, like on the Pentecostal charismatic stuff, you look at the start. It's wicked. You look at the start of Mormonism, of the Jehovah Witnesses, of all these cults that have sprung up since the late 1800s. It's wicked. And you're telling me it's something good now? Can't, it doesn't work that way. So, Osteen's response about this question about Joseph Smith and God taking the shape of man and this whole thing. His response is, I probably don't get hung up in them because I haven't really studied them or thought about them. 
Nothing like being a great defender, earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, to reprove the works of darkness, these types of little admonitions that the Bible talks about. No, he's, there's none of that. He hasn't studied them or thought about them, anything. He probably hasn't. And he says, and you know, I just try to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. I certainly can't say that I agree with everything that I've heard about it, but from what I've heard from Mitt, when he says that Christ is his Savior, to me that's a common bond. Yeah, the New Age Christ, it'll be a common bond for the whole world. The New Age Christ that's coming, guaranteed. If it's Lord Betrayer or whatever, he'll come. He's going to be the Christ to a lot of these different religions. He's going to come, he's going to basically tell them what he wants to hear, and for those that are on the fence, what the Bible says is he's going to come with all lying signs and wonders and deceive the whole world. So see, if you don't believe his theology, signs and wonders will get you. You better be prepared. This is just more prepping for the one world religious whore. That's what we're talking about. We're prepping it right today. And good old Joel is, is paving the way for this. So as we've pointed out so often, Mormonism is a counterfeit Christianity. Now this is not Osteen speaking, this is just this article. As we've pointed out so often, Mormonism is a counterfeit Christianity whose roots lie deeply in Freemasonry and black magic witchcraft. I find it incredible that Pastor Osteen, who commands the respect of tens of thousands at least, should declare to the world that Mormonism is true Christianity. Now this is from a cutting edge website, uh, little expose on this transcript. They've got several videos up on Cutting Edge that you can go... One of them is called the the, uh, um, the Mormon Temple in uh, Salt Lake, Utah. was built to honor Satan. Inside and out, for the person who knows Satanic symbolism, the very outside of the temple, proves that Mormonism serves the Lord, Satan. No Christian symbols decorate the walls of the Mormon temples. I don't really believe we should have any of that anyway. Um, it's very, very easy to get off in idolatry when you start associating symbols with any religion. Okay? Bill Schneblin, who's a former Satanist, now he is a, a friend of mine. In fact, he spoke the month before I did on the Prophecy Club tour. And I don't advocate the Prophecy Club anymore, but um, I did do one tour with them. Schneblin, who's a former Satanist, sense, sets out to expose the Satanic roots of Mormonism. Now, he was a part of the Mormon Church. Now, I like the fact that he was a Satanist, and when he went into the Mormon church, and I'm talking he was a high-level Satanist, he was into everything you could possibly imagine in the occult, even vampirism. He got to a point, he was a Gnostic Catholic priest, he was what they call a 93rd degree Freemason, which is a part of the European branch of Freemasonry. You can actually go up to, uh, way into the high 90s or whatever. And when he got, he was told by a witch at a very early time in his life, that if you ever get in a lot of trouble spiritually, that you need, you will always have a safe haven if you go to the Mormon church. It's, a, it's like a safe haven for Satanists. For people that are involved in high level cult, it's like a good cover for them. What had happened is, is he had sent his dues in to the first church of Satan, and when he got the canceled check back, it said, I'll be praying for you in the name of Jesus. And he just thought that was funny, and he threw it in a desk. And from that point forward, he lost all of his occultic powers, him and his wife both. I'm not making this stuff up. He really did. And this is his testimony. If you if you ever hear him speak. Now, unfortunately, Bill's gotten into a lot of the Christian Zionism stuff and he looks like a rabbi now and oh, it's, it's a mess. But, 
his early stuff was very, very, very solid. Okay? I fear where he's going now. But his early stuff, he was King James only, Bible-believing, and he had come out of all this stuff. And um, I, I just pray to God that, that, that he breaks free from this other that he's getting into. But this has been a very recent aberration. He had come out with this stuff for a long time. He has a whole video... It's called, Accept the Lord, Build the House, How the Mormon Temples Are Built to be Demon Magnets. You can get this on Cutting Edge. He's also got another uh, video, I believe, on the Mormons. Uh, it's called, like, Temple of Doom. And they tell that when they went into the Mormon church, him and his wife, that they already knew half the stuff that was going on. You know why? Because all Mormonism is, is repackaged, um... Freemasonry. The guy, Joseph Smith, was a 33rd degree Freemason. He stole the secrets from the Mormon church, incorporated them in from the, from the Freemasons, incorporated them into the Mormon church. He just put a little bit different veneer on them, so that when they got into the Mormon church as Satanists, of course they weren't, you know, going out and wearing witch outfits, but they were Satanists. When they got into the Mormon church, they arose very, very quickly in the rankings because they already knew how to do all the secret handshakes and all the symbols and all this other stuff. So they rose very, very quickly. They were already versed in it. Because all these religions at the highest levels typically are high-level witchcraft and occult. So, anyway, I just wanted to interject that. We're going to talk a lot more about Mormonism's ne Mormonism next week. And I would encourage you to get those if you want to know more about that. Uh, you can probably also find this stuff on, if you Google it, uh, if you go to, like, Google Video or, or um, YouTube, you can probably find a lot of these videos archived up on the Internet. Just do keyword searches within the website. Like, Schneblin, okay, which is spelled S-C-H-N-O-E-B-E-L-E-N. And his first name's Bill. If you do that keyword search, up, you're going to find that a lot of these things are archived. You can watch them for free up there. And then you can send them to other people that may have a problem. I'm real big on that. Send them tracks. Send them chick tracks on the internet. I include a chick track free gift with, with every single health newsletter that I put out. Because i got a lot of people on my health newsletter side that aren't saved. So it's a way that, you know, you can witness to them as well. Just something to think about. So... <clears throat> going further, it says that I find it incredible that a pastor like Osteen, who commands the respect of many tens of thousands at least, should declare it to the world that Mormonism is true Christianity. Further, even if Mormons profess Jesus Christ, they do not believe in the biblical Jesus Christ. For they teach that Jesus Christ and Lucifer are brothers. Did you know that? They teach that they're brothers. Now, Jehovah Witnesses teach that Jesus Christ is actually Michael the Archangel. So they have some way in every single cult of perverting Jesus Christ. Because, think about it, Jesus Christ is central to our faith, right? Isn't he central to us getting saved? So if they can pervert that, you can't get saved. You can't do it, because if you believe Jesus is the Michael, Michael the Archangel, how can you really get saved? Everything's all messed up. Sadly, Osteen falls simply in the category of an apostate liberal Christianity. Joel Osteen typically does not mention the Bible or Jesus in his popular message or even his more popular books. When asked what he... I mean, did you hear him quote a lot of Bible verses in that interview? I don't, did we hear one? Did you hear one verse that he quoted? I wonder if he knows any. 
I don't know. I don't know about that thing called the Bible. I know about my self-help stuff. My stadium church. But I don't know that Bible thing. I don't know. I don't want to offend anybody. Pretty sad. And then when asked what he does during his morning devotion, Osteen simply does not say that he reads the Bible or prays. Rather, he simply says that he searches his own heart to see if he is on the right course. Oh, good, Joel. That's good. You're going to search your own heart. I mean, the Holy Spirit's not living inside you to search anything. So you're going to rely on your own flesh to search your own heart, which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and you're well evidenced of that. So you're going to try to police yourself, Joel. You're not going to let the Word of God police you. You're not going to let the Holy Spirit police you. You're going to police yourself. You're policing yourself right into hell and your followers too. That's what he's doing. The Bible says in Proverbs 16.2 that all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So see, in Joel's eyes, well, I'm clean. i got this big church. I'm God's blessing. He's blessing. I'm encouraging. I'm doing good. He thinks he's pretty good. You know? He simply searches his own heart to see if he's on the right course. He does not say that the Bible is his guide for such searching. And he certainly does not say that he relies on prayer. The Bible clearly states that there is a way which seems right on a man, but the end are over the ways of death. By this positive thinking teaching, which is totally devoid of biblical foundation, Osteen is opening the door to the appearance of the Antichrist. See, this is what my theme is becoming more and more and more. If you think about this, every single week we're talking about the staging of the appearance of the Antichrist. All of this is part of it. It's all working together. Fitting like a, a, a puzzle all coming together, which is... From a biblical standpoint, nice to have that confirmation. Because what this should do is not frustrate you or discourage you, but actually encourage you. And should make the Bible come alive. I'm not up here to bring doom and gloom so you're going to go all depressed. I'm saying this is, this is biblical confirmation of what the Bible clearly predicted was going to happen. The great falling away that was predicted in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. The man of sin is going to be revealed. God's going to send the strong delusion. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 Clearly predicted. Don't get upset about it. Just prepare yourself. So if we go further. This is the last article. It's called The Leaven of Lakewood. <clears throat> Let's see here. We'll, we'll start this and I'll see if I go to a part three or not. The the leaven of Lakewood. Did you want to say something? Oh. Okay, so this next article is entitled The Leaven of Lakewood by Robert Lichow. He says, um, this is a quote from Olstein. Now this article, every single thing in here is referenced. So the others were just transcripts of of his interview. These transcripts weren't doctored, they were, you know, this is all reference. So everything I'm giving you today is factual. And I try to do that every week. So that it's not my opinion, or it's not what they would call an ad hominem attack or whatever on somebody's integrity. You know, it's so evident what's going on here. And it needs to be pointed out, because there's so many people following this, this apostate. So this is a quote from him, from his Lake, Lakewood church, um, Osteen says, quote, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I believe one day we're going to have 100,000 
people in one weekend in his church. End of quote. Now I got a long way to go on that because we've only got you know what is it? We got like four people, five including myself in our little Bible study. Now this is not an open Bible study, okay? I I, I just can't have. That's not. I'm not a pastor. I've never claimed to be a pastor. I am more of a teacher and a watchman. So this is something that I'm trying to reach people through sermons audio. That's been my vehicle. And if sermons audio ever takes me off, then you know, uh, Lord willing, I'll find another vehicle. And I know that's happened to one other guy that I know on sermons audio. So um, you know, don't be surprised if if I get booted. I mean, that one I just put up on Oprah. That's going to be about. Probably the third or fourth um, most downloaded message on Sermons Audio today. So, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying the Lord's blessing these, and it's going to get to a point where the guys and the preachers that I am against, some of them are on the, on the top rankings. Okay, Not really the ones I've done any exposés on, but don't be surprised if, if I get booted, because if I create too many waves on Sermons Audio, there's thousands of preachers up there, and they may really start to come... So, just, just as a side note there. So this article goes on to say, <clears throat> to begin with, the church was originally started by John Osteen. Now this was Joel's dad. So now we're going to give more background information. Who was originally a Southern Baptist pastor, but after receiving, quote, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he became enamored with the charismatic renewal movement in its early stage, and eventually became associated with the Word of Faith cult. Because that's what it is. It's a cult. This is an offshoot, or, or main offshoot, of the Pentecostal movement. The following commentary was taken from the official website of the Lakewood Church. <clears throat> now, this is from the official Lakewood Church website. The late John Osteen served the Lord Jesus Christ as pastor, evangelist, author, and teacher for 60 years. Ordained as a Southern Baptist, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in 1958, an experience which revolutionized his ministry into a worldwide outreach. So he would have a little bit of appeal to some of the Baptists and then also the Pentecostals. Now he got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in 1958 and the Bible says a little leaven leaven at the whole lump. So they call it the baptism of the Holy Ghost when you pray in tongues. The Pentecostals go so far as to many believe that you're really not saved unless you're praying in tongues because that's the evidence the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Okay, so they'll they'll take it to the next level. John Osteen began Lakewood Church in a dusty, abandoned feed store on Mother's Day, 1959. Now, another thing about this whole baptism of the Holy Ghost, if this is such a wonderful, great thing, why is it that people that supposedly have this baptism are the most deceived people, are the most deceived Christians that I know, personally? They're the ones that get into more doctrinal heresy, following people like Benny Hinn and all these other word of faith, Paul Crouch. These are the these are the worst of the worst of the worst reprobates. Yet the Holy Spirit, supposedly they have this baptism, and they're better than us, and they have more discernment. Yet they don't even can't even see the absolute doctrinal apostasy and error that they're in. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't really add up if you if you start to do the math on that. So, this Lakewood church was, was, began in a dusty, abandoned feed store on Mother's Day, 1959. John Osteen was driven by an amazing love for people of all ages, races, nationalities, and walks of life. 
And then this goes on to say, I'm under no illusions regarding the word of faith leaven, which John propagated and is unfortunately being further magnified through his son Joel Osteen, who took over as the pastor when his father died in 1999. See, what this is what happened. His dad died in 1999, Joel took over, and the leaven became magnified. Okay? The seeds of leaven that were already in Joel were magnified when he took over this, this ministry. Let's see here. Um, John was a big crusader for the air of for the air of positive confession, which is this whole name and claim it stuff. This is a metaphysical belief that we can either create or change our reality by the power of words. For example, he stated the following: When they say, when they say like they did to Smith Wigglesworth, who is one of the apostate Pentecostal original evangelist guys. Um, Quote, how are you feeling today? Now, Smith Wigglesworth was lumped in with like the Amy Semple McPherson and Catherine Kuhlman and all these others. There was a guy, I remember when I was in the Pentecostal church. He came to our church. His name was Roberts Slairdon. Roberts Lairdon, I think. It, it sounded like Slairdon because his S carried over. But he was some new guy. He wrote this book and it was called God's Generals. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And he went through all these people and like Smith Wigglesworth was like one of the star, and then it was Amy Simple McPherson, you know, and then Catherine Kuhlman and all these other apostates, A.A. Allen, all these guys, all these reprobates out of the Pentecostal movement. And he called them God's Generals. He should have titled the book Satan's Generals. Would have been more apropos. Okay? But... He titled it God's Generals, and then later, I know Slaredon got caught in some kind of gay love thing. He did. He was there, he was there for the money, he was there to sell books. But I always, I always think about that book when I read these, these guys that they talk about. So, S Smith Wigglesworth, yeah, what a name. He says, how are you feeling today? Uh, this, is, this is something that he said. He says, how are you feeling today when he was preaching? He said, listen, I don't ask my body how it's feeling, I tell it how to feel. And your word should not, and and your word should not be to describe the situation. Your word should be given to change the situation. And so read it and meditate on it and speak it. Now, there's a certain level of truth to that. Granted, you you don't want to go around down in the dumps and and speaking uh, negative thoughts twenty four. These are things that you know. No, you don't want to do. Um, but they carry it to the next level, where it's all this name and acclaim it, positive confession. They use it a lot with money. And what ends up happening is, is it turns into basically Pentecostal witchcraft. Which is the same concept of the book The Secret, and the movie The Secret, that Oprah's doing. Except that's the real super new age version. They've been doing this a lot longer than The Secret's ever been out. So then he goes on to say to Smith Wigglesworth, I am the total sum of what I've been confessing through my years. My children are the best... Well, here, let's just talk about that. He says, I am the total sum of what I've been confessing through the years. So, in other words, he is the total sum of what he's been confessing. Who's getting the credit here? Jesus Christ? I don't think so. But, he has the audacity to say that. Well, I guess that when Jesus said, I thirst, when he was on the cross, he just wasn't exercising positive confession. He wasn't, yeah... Maybe he needed to go to Wigglesworth or Word of Faith preaching or something. 
I'm just kidding. But And then he says, I have the best children that ever lived on the face of the earth. This is Smith Wigglesworth. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement. What arrogance. Coming from an apostate charismatic, totally full of pride, as we can see. From one statement I can expose this man. Not me, but the Bible. If you look at how we're supposed to live. I mean, what arrogance. And then he says, they are blessed of God. They are the sum total of what Doty and I have confessed and loved them into being. Who's getting the credit here? This was way back. This was said way back. Sounds like old Wigglesworth had taken the credit that he should be given to God if his, if his kids are that good. But to say they're the best kids on the planet that ever lived, how could, you, how could anybody make such an arrogant statement? You, you would have to go through all humanity and time to know if your kids were... And then God's the only one that can judge that. What an arrogant statement. Pride. But that's the earmark of the Pentecostal Charismatic Movement. Pride. Whether they want to admit it or not. I know I've been there. I've done it. It's pride. We speak in tongues. We receive special revelation. We receive prophecies. None of the other church does. Therefore, we're better. We're the only true biblically correct sect of Christianity. Because we operate in the full gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what they say? I've been there. I know. It's arrogance. It's pride. Now, if there really were going around really healing people really in a biblical way, and were speaking in tongues, and those tongues were actually communicating and edifying God, and people were there of different languages that didn't know how to hear, that didn't know how to speak English, and they were hearing the gospel presented in their language, I'd have to say, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the truth. I mean, if, if, if we look at the fruit there, but it's, that's not what happens. It's gibberish. That's a whole other study. I don't want to go down that rabbit trail today. But, going back to this, it says, Osteen is on record as fully endorsing the word of faith, errant concepts surrounding the financial prosperity movement. <clears throat> he says, it's God's will for you to live in prosperity instead of poverty. It's God's will for you to pay your bills and not be in debt. It's God's will for you to live in health and not in sickness all the days of your life. That's what, that's what Osteen says. It's God's will for you to live in prosperity instead of poverty? Where's it say that in the Bible? All they, all they that live in God, Godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? I mean, uh, I just don't see that. Now, I'm not saying you can't be a Christian and be prosperous. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying that God doesn't promise this. It's God's will for you to pay your bills and not be in debt. Well, I do believe that. I believe it. we do need to pay our bills and, and hopefully not be in debt. But the, the point is there is don't get in debt in the first place. Okay, so if you don't ever get in debt in the first place, then it's not a big deal to pay your monthly bills. Well, what would that mean? Well, that would mean not running up gigantic credit card debt. Going out and taking out a mortgage on a house. You know what that word mortgage means? It means death contract. Mort means death, which is where we get the word mortuary, mortality. Engage means contract. Death contract. Which is pretty much what it is. And you end up paying triple on the house you paid. Borrowing money from an ungodly bank of unjust scales and balances. It's all ungodly. Credit cards are too. Now, if you're going to use it... A, a, if you're going to use a, a credit card, you use a debit card that you're actually putting the money into 
and it's actually coming out of money you already have. You're not going in debt. You're using your own money. Uh, the Bible says to owe no man anything. Now, have I always done that? Nope. I haven't. But I, I, in as much as possible, I do it now. That's right. So I'm not saying this as though I've never fought, fell in any of these traps before, okay? Because I have. But it's just when you start comparing our lives to the Word of God, the Word of God is really obvious of what we need to do. The borrower is slave to the lender. That's what the Bible says. So we just threw that in for no extra charge. Anyway. <laughs> no pun intended. Sorry. Um, so, it's God's will for you to live in prosperity instead of poverty. It's God's will for you to pay your bills and not be in debt. It's God's will for you to live in health and not in sickness all the days of your life. Hmm. Wow, that's... Wow. Maybe Jesus, the apostles, and the martyrs might have a different take on this. On that last statement. You know, how they were afflicted in the flesh and these types of things and they weren't... Jesus Christ said, the Bible says, the Son of Man have nowhere to even lay his head. You know. But they say something totally different. And this is very, very prevalent within the Pentecostal Charismatic Movement. And it's one of the main reasons why there's such a draw to it. Because people want to be rich and still have their bro-cream religion at the same time. Remember bro-cream religion, a little dabble, do you? Well, that's what they want. They want to have everything at once. In the above sermon, we can see that the health and wealth gospel summed up is summed up in three sentences. Well, pretty much was. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, warned them about the leaven of the Pharisees in the following discussion. Matthew 16.6 um, and also 11-12 through 12 says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not concerning bread? Jesus wasn't talking about bread when he was in regard to leaven here of the Pharisees and Sadducees that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then understood they that he bade them not to beware of the leaven of bread, literal bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, has, has anything changed in today's day and age? No. The modern day equivalent of the Pharisees and Sadducees that a Christian would contend with are these apostate TV ministries. And these apostate ministries that appeal to men. That don't go by the word of God, that take no stance on the Bible at all, on, on what the right version is either. So many other things that bring the world in. So we need, to do, we need to do the same thing today. What kind of doctrine are they preaching? Does it line up with the word of God? Even though it seems to us that his disciples were a little slow on the uptake, at times Jesus makes his point crystal clear to them. He was warning them to beware, to be on guard against the danger of their doctrinal errors, which Jesus likens to leaven in bread. Jesus knew that if left unchecked, like leaven in bread, their doctrinal error would spread. The leaven of the false doctrines, which he instilled in his son, are now expanding and misleading more people than John Osteen could have ever imagined. So again, when you plant a seed, you know, it starts to grow, and then as it grows bigger and bigger, it starts to influence more things. Well, this was all started back when John converted over to this Word of Faith ministry, got baptized in the, speaking in the Holy Ghost in 1958, and then this ministry grew and grew and grew. Now Joel takes over, and the ministry apostatizes further. 
But in this case, and in most cases, if you, the more you want to apostatize and sell out to the devil, the bigger your ministry will get. Because it will appeal to more people. Charismatic pulpits are filled with men and women who feel called to be a pastor. And that is enough for them, and that is enough for them and those that follow them. Okay, so you have these guys that say, well, I was called to be a pastor, these women. Now, a woman's never called to be a pastor. It's totally unbiblical. You can prove that easily in the Bible. The Bible says a pastor is to be the husband of one wife. Okay, not the wife of one husband. It says that over and over and over again in regard to leadership positions. Deacons, overseers, bishops, all these things. Okay? But a lot of them say, well, God called me to do this. You know what? If whatever you think God called you to do contradicts the Bible, God never called you. Satan may be. Your own heart may be deceiving you. But God didn't do it because he's not going to contradict his word. They attempt to build congregations on the strength of their calling. Yeah, with a lot of help from Satan. To me, we have a clear case of the blind leading the blind. If you read what that's talked about in Luke 6.39. And the end result being masses of people falling into the ditch of the spiritual ignorance, abuse, and or extremism. But ultimately, they go to hell. That's ultimately Satan's goal. He knows he's going to rot in hell. He knows he's going to go to the lake of fire. And he wants to take as many people with him as possible. That's the goal here. Our goal should be the exact opposite as born-again Christians. Joel Osteen made the following statement, which ought to be enough to drive thousands of people away from his church. Now, this is all reference statements, just like the transcript we read was an exact transcript of what, what he said. Osteen's upbeat style is deliberate and authentic. Nothing authentic about it. It's just, I don't know. It's as fake as you could possibly get. That's like saying, you know, I got a chair made out of a genuine imitation naga hide. <laughs> it's about as genuine as that, or authentic as that. You know what I'm saying? He says, Osteen's upbeat style is deliberate and authentic. Make church relevant. He says, give them something to be able to take away. I find people today are not looking for theology. That's saying they're not looking for the Bible. And you'd be right, Joel. You'd be right. They're not. Then he says, there's a place for it. But in your everyday life, you need to know how to live. So evidently, the Bible's not something for everyday life. It's just something that, you know, we it, it can't teach us how to live or, or anything. It's just all lies. Total lies. Tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and go to part three now before we get too far into this. And we'll do that now. God bless you.